to the Tenants IQ podcast. I'm Josh Berger. And I'm Brian Lomax. And today, Josh and I want to talk about an important topic. Um, it's an adage that you, the listener, have probably heard many times in your tennis careers, and it is play one point at a time. Now, I know when I first heard this, probably as a teenager, it made total sense. But my reaction to it was, okay, I get it. It does make sense, but I have no idea how to do that. And many of you may be feeling the exact same way. It all makes sense, doesn't it? We want to play one point at a time and then move on and, 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 and then play the next one all the way to the end of the match. But there are so many other things that are going on in a tennis match that make playing one point at a time very complicated, can make it very difficult. So we wanted to start today with understanding what are the benefits to, to doing this, because At the end of this episode, what Josh and I would like all of you to have is some sort of formula or step-by-step sequence that you can follow with all the right ingredients so that you can truly play one point at a time instead of just being told to do that. And when we think of the benefits, some of the benefits I think to playing this way, Josh, are um, especially if we're focusing on just this and not necessarily focus on winning is you feel less pressure. When you are focusing a lot on winning or on the result, that can create a lot of a lot of pressure for players. So I think that that's that's one aspect. And I was actually talking to one of my clients about this the other day. He's been experimenting with this, the whole idea of playing, um, you know, again one point at a time. We'll talk about how to do it. And he he fe- felt like he was successful in a recent event. And I asked him, well, what was that like? And he says, actually, it's easier to play this way, which was really cool to hear because this is a player who um, feels a lot of pressure because of college recruiting and UTR and and things like that. So there's a lot of things going on on the outside of this player that are, that are bringing some, some pressure, bringing some distraction, some interference at times to, to his performances. Um, So I want to get your reaction, Josh, on, you know, one point at a time, the benefits of playing this way, um, even just your perspective on on playing that way. Yeah, I mean, I I would say that when when one has that that philosophy or that mindset of okay, I'm going to try to play one point at a time, um, they're able to, to to number one focus on what's within their control, right? You have it is within your control to determine that each point, regardless of whatever happened that last point you're going to go through a process of, and we'll talk about that process of trying to put yourself in your best possible mindset for that following point. You're going to put whatever just happened behind you. You're going to, um, you know, think about what, what it is, your, your strategy or game plan or whatever you want to do, but you're going to be able to reset and play each point as if it's the most important point. Um, so no, I, I think it definitely can take a lot of pressure off because, um, it's it's not within our control whether or not we win that point, but it is within our control if we go about that process that we've clearly defined ahead of time in terms of maybe a routine or in terms of whatever it's going to take to get us in that mindset to play that point and give us the best possible chance to perform well. And I think if you're able to play this way, and this is something that I've noticed, this is actually something that that player I was just referencing mentioned emotionally, it feels lighter, feels a little bit easier. It doesn't feel like such a heavy 
experience. You're not going from anguish to elation constantly. It's a much calmer sort of steady state. And you, you feel at the end of the match like you're not mentally and physically exhausted. I think playing it the other way, there is a sort of mental and emotional exhaustion that can happen at the end of a match. Um, and I think when we do play this way, we actually increase our chances of creating a better performance and, and, um, and actually winning by, by doing this. We recently had on uh, Marius Bernard, a uh, former ATP player, talking about self-belief. And he told a story in that episode about how he was playing doubles in the finals of the Kremlin Cup in Moscow. And there was a point in the match where they, he and his partner, they won the point. He was like, all right, let's go. Come on, next point. And his partner had to tell him the match was over. They had just won. And he was just so immersed in this process of playing one point at a time that that he didn't even know what the score was. He was in this sort of zone flow state. So I think the next thing we should do, Josh, is let's throw out what that formula or a proposed sequence of steps looks like. And then we can get into some of the necessary ingredients that you need in order to make this this sequence work. So, um, and we'll put this in the show notes as well so that, that all of you can see what this potential sequence looks like. So I'll start it off with playing a quality point is number one. After that, we recover from the point. We reset ourselves, which is really to kind of dump the any emotions from that point. Then we refocus. And then we simply repeat steps one through four until the match is over. Uh, so that's... The, you know, probably easy to understand, but we have to help define what a quality point is. We have to help define, you know, what's happening in between the points um, so that you can actually then go ahead and repeat this process over and over again. So I think the first thing to define, or actually every player has to define this for themselves, is what is a quality point? So Josh, what, what do you think can you explain that what a quality point is and what it looks like for different players? Yeah, well, it's gonna it's gonna look different for for different uh, players of different playing styles. So if somebody's um, you know more on the aggressive side, looking to come into net, looking to hit some winners, um, what a quality point for them might be that they're going for their shots and they're being aggressive. Um, they're looking to capitalize on on weaknesses um, or to you know maybe play first strike tennis. So for them going for their shots, again, regardless of outcome, regardless of whether or not they ultimately succeed in winning that point or in making those shots, um, it's whether or not they are going through with that game plan. Um, And to me, it's about, okay, are we going for the right targets here? Even if the execution is a little bit off, if you're going for the right shot and you miss by a little bit, that's, that's a good miss. That's, that's you trying to play a quality point where for somebody else um, who's maybe more on the consistent side, um, a quality point might look like trying to force your opponent to play an extra shot time and time again, you know, not being willing, not backing down or not missing unnecessarily, but um, playing in the, in the type of way where you can extend points and make your opponent keep playing an extra ball, keep, going for maybe risky shots and being able to extend the point long enough 
to to win based on your consistency and based on playing in that kind of a way. Um, but I, th- I think what's important is that players do the, do the work ahead of time and uh, really define what that looks like for them. And on on certain days that might look a little bit different. On on certain days your cap or your ceiling um, or, or really the the floor as well for what level you're able to play it and what a quality point might look like is going to be different where some days you're feeling great. Maybe you're able to go for, for bigger shots or able to hit more winners or um, able to run down everything and play better defense. And on other days, maybe you don't have a hundred percent. So it might look a little bit different each day, but being able to clearly define what that looks like for you on that particular day is important for this formula and to go about each of these steps, because if you're not clear uh, whether that previous point was a, was a quality point or not, then it's, it, it might still be lingering going into that next point where if you're really clear about it, then it's, it's easier to um, quickly, you know, reflect on it and then refocus and regroup going into that next point. What's interesting about your description there, Josh, is losing a point could also be considered a quality point. Yep. If you played it the right way. Um, because I think if you don't have a good sense of what a quality point is, the default comes down to winning and losing of points, right? So I think it's it's very important to know what your game style is or even I, kind of identity as a player and in a sense be able to visualize that. Know what your style of tennis looks like. So when you go out there, you, you have a mental image of how you play. So as you mentioned, you know, certain players may be more aggressive or looking to be aggressive. And if they're, let's say they're not doing that, but they're winning points, they're not necessarily playing quality points. For example, let's say you're, you want to be an aggressive baseliner, but all of a sudden you've lost confidence in your forehand and you're chipping it back. That's probably not, those are not the quality points that you want to be playing. You're playing a style that is perhaps winning you points, but in the long run, isn't going to necessarily be beneficial to you. And obviously there's something getting in the way of you playing the right, the way you want to. So I think that there's that. Um, I think also when it comes down to differentiating quality from winning and losing points, Bill Tim has an interesting definition on the winner's creed about what a successful point is. And I think there are three things that went into it. It's either you hit a winner or you hit a, a shot that forces an error from your opponent, or your opponent hits a winning shot. Now, some people may quibble with that last one, and I do think that there's probably some gray area in there. But if people recall our episode with, with Coach Tim, he's a big proponent of reducing unforced errors in your own game. So from his perspective, if you are not giving away the point, through an unforced error, in a way you have created a successful point. You still, even if it was a bad shot, maybe left the ball in the middle of the court or middle of the service box, your opponent still had to finish the job with the shot. I mean, we've all missed probably those shots. I can think of more than a few instances where I've missed high forehand volleys at the net where it seemed actually harder to hit it in the net than it was to hit it in the court. But somehow I found a way. So we've all felt that. So just making people hit balls and, and they put it away, you can you can see how that's successful. Um, so I do think that this this idea of 
understanding what a quality point is and also um, differentiating it from just one, points won and points lost. Those are not the same thing, right? Because you, we could also win points in a in a way that doesn't really reflect the kind of tennis we want to play. Yeah, and I think I think an important an important point here, an important thing to consider is that th- th- there might be times where we're not playing in the, t- the kind of way that we want. Um, we're not playing quality points, but we're getting away with it. Yeah. We're winning. We win a match where maybe, let's say somebody's a counter puncher. Um, but like I know for myself growing up, I was more of a counter puncher player. But it, when I wasn't playing my best or when I would feel tight or hesitant, I would start to push and not go for my shots. Um, so, you know, maybe sometimes that would work out quote unquote, and I would win. But, um, this philosophy that, that we've talked about in the past of everything is practice where we talked with Christina Rolo and Dave DeHaan about this concept of everything being practice and knowing that anytime we're out on court, we're really not just playing for that match. We're playing for the future as well. And we're playing for our future performances. And by playing in that way of, if we bring it back to my example of, you know, just sort of making balls in the court without really any intention or without trying to really force anything or being aggressive, that's not going to help me to become the the player that I want to be or feel that I'm capable of being. That's just going to maybe help me win that particular match. So again, being able to, to clearly define that, or maybe on a particular day, what a, what a quality point is, is to be able to make your opponent uncomfortable. Maybe it's trying to force your opponent to hit their least favorite shots, their backhand, let's say, 75% of the time. And at the end of a point, being able to say, okay, did I achieve that goal? Did I achieve that mission here? Um, and, and being able to ask yourself that. And maybe you... Maybe you uh, force them to hit three or four backhands in a row, and then they end up hitting a winner. But you you still followed through on that goal and that game plan of putting them in an uncomfortable situation. And ultimately, as we've talked about, that result, that outcome of, of that point of whether or not they hit the winner or they missed the ball or, or whatever happened, whether you win or lose that point is out of your control. But what is within your control is, is that dedication to trying to play in in the way that, that you know or you think will give you the best possible chance. Yeah, right. And and then, like you said, that really, really contributes to you trying to reach your potential in the long term, playing that way, right? So I think another necessary ingredient that goes into this formula is this idea that the most important point of the match is, is always the next one. Um, Frequently, when we look at players, their behavior makes you think that the last point was actually the most important one because that's the one that they're reacting to or thinking about or some other point in the past where perhaps I blew an opportunity in that last game to break serve. I was up 40-15 or something. And so this is a really key point is we have to take on this, this philosophy of the next point is always the most important one. And that, to me, is is a big part of players playing this one point at a time because it's going to help you forget about what just happened and muster all of your emotional, physical, mental strength for that next one because you owe it to yourself. If this next point is the most important one, you owe it to yourself to be 100% ready for that point. 
Absolutely. And I think um, having a, a clear routine in between points and, and really maximizing that time that we spend in between points helps us to give ourselves the best possible chance to do that. And I would also say, and uh, I think listeners or viewers can go back to that episode where we really dove into the in-between point routine, um, but that this, this formula of playing one point at a time um, has a lot of overlap there. And really um, there's a lot by going through that routine, it helps us to, um, to give ourselves the best chance for that, that following point, which as you mentioned is, is the most important point. Um, so, you know, by, by really thinking about, okay, after that, that point ends, um, can we, can we regroup here? Can we, you know, have some sort of way to center ourselves and to, you know, some sort of relaxation using the breath, using some sort of mindfulness to get back to sort of that point of equilibrium so that we're not carrying that negativity or that just, whatever happened in that last point. So it's being able to put that behind us and then going through that preparation and planning stage for that next point. So sort of breaking it down into that post point and pre point um, and sort of turning, turning the page onto preparing for that next point. And maybe that then we get into that ritual and that serving ritual or return ritual. Um, but at, by the time we've reached that stage, we've really, move past that, that previous point. So I think that's definitely important. I think also thinking of, we talked about mindfulness, but also incorporating um, some self-talk or some cues um, can, can be important here. So um, some athletes might say to themselves, okay, you know, one point at a time, that's something that um, doubles partners might say to themselves, you know, if the, if the finish line is close, let's say, and you're a game away and you're looking to serve out a match, let's say, um, can be easy to sort of lose sight of, of this concept of one point at a time where, okay, we were thinking about winning the match. Okay. What happens if we win here? Do we move on to the next round in the tournament? Does our UTR or ranking go up? But no, instead of thinking like that in an outcome-based way, let's think about this point. Let's play one point at a time. Let's focus on this point. And then after that, we'll focus on the next one rather than getting ahead of ourselves and thinking about winning. Or it can also happen after you win a set and maybe you just have one more set to win and you start to think about the outcome. But no, we're going to focus on playing each point the same way in the, you know, the, a way that is going to give it, put us in that best possible position to get the result that we want. Um, I think a great example of somebody that, that, that does this and is, has a reputation for this is Rafael Nadal. I think that's something that, is often said about him that he brings that same sort of intensity and focus into each point. And I think a, a way that a way to tell that is it's very rare for him to, even if it's, let's say 40 love or love 40 to throw away a point where he just, you know, goes for a winner on a return and just, you know, misses the court by, by a mile or something like that. They, they, you may see other players, um, even professional players do where um, they'll sort of tank a point and just move on to the next point or move on to the changeover. Um, but with somebody like him, he has his rituals. He has that routine that he follows in between each point and seems to really carry in that, that level of focus into the, into each point as if that point is the most important point that he's ever played. And if we're talking about, this one point at a time formula, we want to make it obviously formulaic. Therefore, the in-between point routine that you have needs to be repeatable. It needs to be repeated each time. You know, 
problem, right? Again, if we're making this a formula. So I bring that up because sometimes when I watch players, their in-between point routine varies too much. It They may use it one way in a certain situation. They may use it another way in another situation. And the more consistent that we can make it, then the more formulaic we can make this one point at a time piece. So I like a lot of the points that you brought up, Josh, um, about what we need to be doing in between. And, and yeah, if people want more on the in-between points routine, we had a great episode on that. Let's talk about some more of the things that need to happen in that routine that can make it even more successful. Because we could have people go through the actual steps go to the towel or the fence and walk and do this and go through your ritual. But I think there are certain key things to be doing in there that might be more mental than, than others. And one of them is is hard, I think. We talked about it with uh, Sean Brawley in The Inner Game or those people who have read The Inner Game, this idea of being non-judgmental between points, which is hard because – Yes, if I make an error, if I hit a ball in the net, we automatically default to thinking that that's bad. And and what we're going to try to do is is to not think that way. We're going to try to think of that as a as a neutral data point. And I think in the inner game, and you can help me with this, Josh, if I get this wrong, but I think the example provided is let's say that mistake is made. I, I think it's bad. You could be my opponent. You could think, hey, great. <laughs> you just hit that ball in the net. And then there could be some fan or a line judge who has no real judgment of it at all. It's just, just an event. So it actually, in reality, is, is something that happened, but three people had a completely different perception or judgment of that event. So that tells us that judgment is really a constructed thing in the mind. And can, therefore, can we change how we construct that perception of, of what just happened so that it can be beneficial to us? And uh, so perhaps uh, if I hit a ball in the net, all I need to say is something like that just needs some work. Just be neutral about it and so forth. So, you know, I recognize that this is a hard thing to do, but I think that if players can try to be less judgmental about what's going on and simply do what you know we were saying in the in-between point routine recover reset refocus that can be a little bit easier so what, what are your thoughts on the, the whole non-judgmental thing josh i think it's I, I think it's it's really important that um that that players try to to view points in in this kind of a way um and I, and I think a, a good resource or a good frame of, of thinking about it actually would go back to our conversation with Bill Tim and think about the corrective methodology um, so that if you miss a shot, um, it's not – you didn't miss that backhand because you have the worst backhand in the world or I can't hit backhands or my backhand is horrible. No. You missed that why, – why did you miss that backhand? Okay, you hit the ball into the net. Did you drop your – racket head before making contact with that ball did you follow through did you get your feet set or were you moving your feet okay 
trying to actually identify what the mistake was or what correction needs to be made can help you to see things in a more non-judgmental way because you're just it takes the ownership out of it. You, it's not your backhand that was hit into the net. It's okay. This is the event that took place. The shot went into the net. Okay. What happened? And just noticing that or um, being aware of the mistake that was made or of the, the shot that, uh, or of the um, technical error that that took place can help to remove that that ownership and that it it sort of takes it away from the ego it's not a shot to the ego that oh i can't make a backhand it's no i missed this shot for this reason Um, and i actually had a conversation recently with a player about this very thing where he goes through if he'll miss a shot he goes through a a similar checklist similar to um, what, what coach tim has come up with as well and he says that this helps him to not get so emotional after points because it, it, again, it takes the ownership out of it. It's okay. I missed that shot for this reason. I'm going to make that correction now. And then going into, you know, the next time he hits that shot, he's going to be thinking with that correction or, okay, I double faulted there. Was I trying to brush up on the ball in the way that I am practicing? Um, but that, that I think helps us to see things non-judgmentally because, you bring up that example of the three different ways to see that same event. One person's happy about it. One person's upset. And the third person just sees it for what it is, which is ideally, again, easier can be easier said than done. Um, Ideally that point that we want to get to and ideally what's going to help. And that's what's going to help us to play at the highest level when we can take our own ego away from things and not, see everything through our own lens and how that impacts us, but just trying to see events for what they are. I'm glad you, you brought that, the corrective methodology up um, because I was working with a player on the court the other day and he hit a ball in the net and I walked him through the, 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 the checklist. And so then he asked me, so all I have to do is aim higher? I said, yes. Well, that's easy. I said, yeah, it's that easy just have to have a better intention of aiming the ball higher over the net and you won't hit balls in the net anymore. And you're right. It does separate it from the ego. It's no longer, you know, my forehand sucks or I suck. It's, I just make this little easy correction. Now, another thing I think that is pointed out in the inner game of tennis with respect to making corrections is using images as a means of doing so rather than talking yourself through any corrections you can simply create an image of what you wanted to do. And we've all heard the, the adage, a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, that would certainly go with images as well. You'll be able to communicate the correction much better to yourself with that image than you would with, with words. And this definitely takes some practice to do. And it should be done in practice is when you do make a mistake, see if you can just stop yourself and make an image with that correction. See it from your body or even maybe see it from the outside. You get to choose that perspective. But see that as you wished it to happen. Now you've created a, a mental blueprint that you can follow the next time that that shot comes. You can simply just emulate or follow that, that blueprint because you've, you've rehearsed it now. You know what to do when that shot 
comes up the next time. And and I don't know that we've spent that much time on, on the functional way that imagery works, but when we do it, when we create an image like that, we are actually going through the same neural pathways in the brain as we would if we were physically doing it. So in, in essence, you've done a rep. You've actually done the actual activity in your brain. So it makes it easier to do it going forward. And so this is a good strategy for quieting your mind and, and helps with the whole non-judgmental piece after a point is over. Oh, I, absolutely. Absolutely. To me, it's um, similar to, to doing a shadow stroke. Exactly. So if you, you miss, um, you, you miss that, that forehand um, and maybe uh, you didn't f- follow through or you didn't finish that swing in the way that you want to. Okay. Let's do a shadow stroke and reinforce it. And um, also having, you know, being able to have a clear image in your mind of how you want that stroke to look like helps to reinforce it and essentially says to your brain that you've already been through that process. You've already done that in the correct way. And then the next time around, it's easier um, to actually sort of follow it. Um, so no, I, I think uh, incorporating imagery um, can can definitely be helpful in terms of um, making that correction. And then uh, I think maybe the last piece of necessary ingredients, maybe there, maybe there are more, but I think that we wanted to go over was the, the whole idea of, um, and you mentioned this when you were bringing up the, the routine, Josh, was the, the pre-point planning, getting into that piece. And, and I think the pre-point self-talk is all, also critical. We talk, I think, sometimes we, as coaches or sports psych professionals, we react a lot to the post-point self-talk and 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 some of that could be judgmental or or whatever but if we're if we're talking about this particular formula and being able to play one point at a time what you say prior to that next point and maybe that's even in if we're looking at the routine maybe it's when we're walking up to the line or when we're in our ritual stage of getting ready to serve or getting ready to return but what you say there is 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 critical and if you mentioned earlier developing some specific self-talk cues that work for you. And I think this is a, a place where you want to be gearing yourself up to to play this point, gearing up your your intensity, your motivation, but also um, what you want to do. And um, so, you know, I know the in-between point routine is something that you're an expert in, Josh, and you teach really well. What, what are your thoughts on the whole idea of the pre-point planning and, and the pre-point self-talk? Yeah, yeah, I, I think uh, I, I think that when it comes to playing a point, you're either on one side or the other. You're on the serving side or you're on the returning side. So having that clear intention um, for for that following point and really starting uh, starting with those first couple shots. So we know from a lot of the research of Craig O'Shaughnessy that um, really at all levels of tennis, um, 70% of points are four shots or less. So we know that that, that serve, serve plus one, return and return plus one are really the most important shots because most points only consist of those or, or less or fewer. Um, so, really having a clear intention for how we want to play 
that point. So maybe it's, um, okay, we want to serve out wide and we want to go to the other side and come into net, or we want to be returning deep down the middle. Um, and having certain self-talk or keywords that we have developed and practiced, um, maybe off the court, maybe on the practice court, so that the first time we're using it isn't on match day. Um, but, but developing certain things and maybe writing them down ahead of time um, can, can definitely be helpful. Uh, that, that helps us so that when it's time to prepare for that point, we have, certain, we have uh, a tool that we can go to. We have that, okay, um, we're going to lock in here. We're going to go um, deep down the middle. Or we talked about in a past episode, okay, maybe it's a certain point, maybe every break point we go for a certain type of serve or, um, you know, we serve into the body or we serve in volley. Um, and having certain plays like that, uh, can sort of create that mental space so that we're not thinking about, we don't have to make that decision for how we want to play this point. Um, we can, we, that's already set. We have that confidence of having successfully, uh, successfully won points, um, in that position before. So we've won uh, break points where we've served into the body and serve and volleyed, let's just say. We've done that time and time again. And then all that we have to think about is executing that plan. We don't have to come up with that plan or come up with that strategy in the moment, especially in a higher pressure moment. So thinking about you know having certain plays that, that we run in, in certain moments like that and having self-talk can help with that preparation stage and sort of create some space for us to actually just perform and actually go about playing that point in the, in the pre-point stage after we've, you know, moved on from whatever happened in that last point, positive, negative, neutral. Um, then we're going into that next point, going about these different steps um, and trying to, um, you know, whether it's the self-talk piece or whether it's, um, you know, the, um, having having specific intention or specific plays that we're running, um, giving us that best possible chance. I think I also like to include some motivational self-talk in that, that pre-point. And again, maybe that's in the ritual. And what's interesting is when players win points, and you see this a lot at the college level, what will they, they'll, they'll scream out, let's go, come on. I actually think those are very good phrases to be using before a point. Because that's when you really need that. Now, you're probably not going to yell it out in the same way, which although that would be kind of funny to see somebody do that. <laughs> um, but the, those phrases, I think, you know, just said in your mind or under your breath um, can really then spur you on and be activated so that you can be focused on this point. It's one of the reasons where part of the routine that I like adding in for players is not only that type of let's go, come on piece to the 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 ritual but also bouncing up and down great way to activate your focus and get ready you're now engaged in this next point so um you know i think what we we've walked through the formula josh right so let's just reiterate it for people the the whole idea is to, to play a quality point recover from that reset yourself so Maybe flush out anything negative that may have happened, but and we're trying to be non-judgmental anyway. There, then we're refocusing back on to that next point with a plan, with good rituals and routines, and um, 
in good pre-point self-talk. And if you can just stick to that formula, then you just repeat that over and over again. I, I guess the 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 logical question, and I think we, we definitely talked about this um, a bit, is what happens if you don't play a quality point? And I think we talked about this in terms of, okay, let's view that non-judgmentally, um, taking you know taking the emotion out of things. Let's maybe go through that corrective methodology. Um, but let's just say, Brian, somebody doesn't play a quality point, and somebody maybe plays you know does the exact opposite of what they're trying to achieve. Um, we, are, are there any other strategies that, that you'd suggest in terms of not letting that lack of quality of the previous point derail us from going about that formula? Well, I think um, you know maybe there's a way to change the formula to be almost like we're aspiring to play a quality point on each yep. one. Let's understand that we probably won't do that. You know, being non-judgmental at all, yeah, because nobody plays a hundred percent quality points. And I think when I'm looking to to do this with players, the whole idea is can we learn to play like out of 10 points? Can we learn to play one or two more points out of 10 in a quality way and understand that, that that's going to help get us there? Um, if we don't play a quality point, as you said, Josh, let's just be non-judgmental about that. We make the corrections and so forth, but we're always aspiring to play to play our best. And you brought up the whole everything is practice piece and trying to understand that we're playing for our future, playing for our future potential. So we should have in our mind the right way that we want to play there. So I think it's always keeping that in mind. And if we're always striving to play a quality point and we understand what that is for us and then be non-judgmental and we don't do it, go through some of the strategies that we've talked about with the corrective methodology, being non-judgmental, um, making corrections through imagery, shadow strokes, um, then we have a better chance of doing this. But perhaps a better way to phrase it is is um, we're striving to always play a quality point. We may not always play a quality point. But if you're able to do this more often, um, I think you'll see differences in, in results. And I, I think you bring up an important point that out of, out of 10, if we can do this one or two more times out of 10, that's going to, that's going to make a huge difference. Um, where we know that even the best in the world, the Djokovic, let's say, um, or Ash Barty, um, they, they're not winning 75, 80% of points that they play. They're, they're winning closer to 55% of points. So if we can, you know, one out of 10 or two out of 10 times, play a higher quality points that maybe that just ticks the needle a little bit in the direction of us winning a few more points that ultimately makes the difference. I think we all know players, coaches, sports like professionals, fans of the sport that most matches, many matches I'll say, are decided by just a few points here and there. It's not generally one player dominating from start to finish the other player. So if if this is what it takes, if you having this mindset of playing one point at a time is what it takes for you to play a few more high quality points and not throw away some points where you're not playing with intention, you're not trying to go about you know playing the, the style of 
point that, that you want to play point in point out um if, if this is what makes that difference for you to you know 10 percent of your points let's say your 15 percent of your points to be of higher quality then that can be the difference maker for winning or losing on a particular day and many players when i asked them if we were to take a random sample of 10 points out of your match how many do you think would be quality points most of them come back with pretty low numbers anywhere between two and five and so let's say it's even five. So if we could get that player to play seven now points, as you said, that could really change the, the balance of the whole match. Even if you're winning, that could take a 6-4, six, 6-4 four, six, four to a 6-1, six, 6-1 one, six, one very easily um, just by having a few more good, good quality points. So I think, um, yeah, the more that we can emphasize that, the the better uh, because if we're so focused on just winning and beating this particular opponent again that'll create more pressure on us but we may only end up beating them like barely but what, if you're just out there trying to be the best that you can be playing lots of quality points you'll probably play more efficiently you'll probably beat this player even easier than you would so it's it's just something to think about because I know I've I've experienced that a little bit in my own career that when I have focused this way the results have been better it does feel easier and I'm less concerned with who I'm playing and I'm just concerned with going out and and doing my job now I'm of course concerned with the opponent from a tennis challenge perspective like like what problems does this player present so i'm not you know blind to that but we both know there's ego involved in a sport like tennis it's a one-on-one thing that's the part i i have uh, at times been able to be much more detached about it doesn't matter who this person is this is just a problem that i need to apply my game to and again that i think is one of the benefits here when we talk about this being a little bit lighter on the emotional side or on the ego side, I think this is, is um, can definitely help with respect to that. Absolutely, and I think actually that's a good, good you know point to to you know start start to wrap things up with that. Ultimately, we all want to win. We all have that outcome. You know, most tennis players are competitive in that they're they're playing. They they want to get get to the finish line and, and win the match. But this is ultimately what's going to help get you there, not by constantly thinking of the outcome as you're out there, um, but by constantly coming back to this this sort of neutral, non-judgmental point where, okay, what do I want to do in this point? And okay, I either did it or I didn't do it, but let's reset. Let's go through this process and this formula and let's go do it again. And just knowing that this is what's ultimately going to give us the chance to play more high quality points over the course of a match and give us the best possible chance to win. And that it's not that it's not just thinking about the outcome and thinking about winning because that's going to tighten us up and prevent us actually from playing loose and playing the type of tennis that's going to um, help us to achieve that, that outcome. Um, but it's okay. Being clear headed, um, thinking about playing a quality point as, as often as possible, recovering from whatever just happened, then resetting, refocusing again, going through this process and then repeating it time and time again. 
and maybe making adjustments along the way um, based on whatever's happening. Um, but this is what's going to help you to um, play higher and higher quality points and ultimately achieve better results without thinking about the results and the outcome constantly. And so we think this is a great formula, but I think we'd also like to hear from listeners as they try this out, um, how it goes for them. I would say that it takes some practice. There are a lot of components that go into this. And so it takes some practice. And I, and I think with the players that I've been working with on this, it's taken some months before it can really sink in. Uh, I don't know that there's anything, one ingredient more important than the other. Um, I know in the, the player I mentioned in that story, two of the, th- the things that really seemed to click for him were quality points and the, and the idea of being non-judgmental. It may be different for others, but I think yeah, it'd be great if, if, if listeners want to give us feedback, send us an email at tennisiqpodcast at, at gmail.com. And, um, and uh, yeah, again, it would just be great to, to hear people's thoughts on what they're experiencing with playing one point at a time. Because, it, it, yes, it makes rational and intuitive sense, not as easy to do. And, and we hope that we, we helped you get to a place where you can actually try it out and practice it. So so that's our show for today. We want to thank you for listening. For more on today's show, please check out the show notes. So we'll put the formula in there. We'll put a um, perhaps a link into the Winner's Creed and, and some other references that we um, discussed today. If you have any feedback or questions, again, please email us at tennisiqpodcast at gmail.com or you can also use the Twitter hashtag tennisiq. Please subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice, which includes YouTube, so you can be notified of new episodes. You can also check out our Instagram account, Tennis IQ Podcast, where we put up notifications of episodes or new episodes. Thanks again, and we will talk to you again soon in our next episode.